Welcome to the Retail Ready Podcast Season 2, hosted by Ben Wyatt. Your destination for food trends, business talk, and some serious knowledge bombs about the food industry. Before we start, a huge thank you goes to Worth Foods, who are our podcast sponsor. Worth Foods believe that enjoying a snack is an opportunity to pause for a moment, even when you're on the go. So next time you're listening to a Retail Ready podcast, grab a Worth Foods bar and enjoy a delicious pause moment in your day. Visit worthfoods.com.au for more information. Now let's get on with today's Retail Ready podcast episode. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Retail Ready Podcast, episode three of season two. And again, we've got another fantastic guest to introduce you to and also introduce me to. Um, Alex Swift is someone who I've followed for a while. And what made me want to get Alex on this show is every Friday night, I took into, it might sound boring to most people, but I took into a salad and chicken uh, on a Friday night after with a gin and tonic after basketball coaching, etc. And funny enough, Alex reached out uh, and said hello. And I went, Oh, I'm actually eating one of your salads now. And for someone who's been 10 years in product development and in the retail space, I've never actually probably developed a product, or even touched a product, or even spoke up to any category manager or any development in the fresh life space. So I wanted to get Alex on the show, one, to hear Alex's story and um, the business's story that he works for, but also what life is like in the in the fresh produce space. So welcome to the show, Alex. Thanks, Ben. Yeah, and likewise, I've obviously been following your journey um, with Doggylicious. Um, awesome. We've got a, uh, we got a little, um, well, she's not little anymore. She's four years old, but a, a Kelpie, um, Luna. And um, my um, my fiance bought the old lick pad and uh, peanut butter to um, for bath to get her to bath time. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. The only way we can get her to sit still. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I didn't even ask for the positive review, so I'll I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll take that. And it's it's nice to know that uh, your supporters of the brand, like I am of yours. So before further ado, tell everyone who's listening who are you who do you represent and i'm just going to go into the questions because as most people know i'm a geek in this space i just want to know more about uh, the business and uh, life life in the salad world so go yeah. for it perfect well i'll give you a bit of a, a history about um sort of where we've come from and how we started um so back in the 1970s um my parents had a it was a chicken shop called the game gourmet okay. in Austin. um and they sold, you know, it was called the Game Gourmet, so they sold, like, um, a lot of games, so pheasants and they did, like, rabbit stews and um, a range of different things. But all people really came in and bought was chicken and salad. Okay. You know? So it's a, it's a winning combo. Um, and um, they just had a really killer um, salad bar. So um, my, my grandfather actually was a um, – a food writer for the um, Women's Weekly yeah, right. um, back in the day and um, he helped them with some some recipes and Dad was an accountant so um, had a bit of an interest in food um, but not a whole lot of experience. Um, and, yeah, so they set off. Um, Dad got out of accounting. I think he was doing other people's books and saw, um, felt like food was a sort of a stable, recession-proof sort of business to be in mm. and um, 
yeah, so they set off on their journey with the Game Gourmet. Um, and a couple of customers of the Game Gourmet at the time um, was the owner of Paris Farm and um, one someone high up at David Jones. And um, they they both asked at a similar time if, um, you know, they loved, loved the salad bar and would they consider um, making the salads for, for their stores, you know, David Jones being yeah, a Yeah, right. Yeah, and Harris Farm obviously having their fruit market, or more fruit markets back then. They've come a long way, and um, yeah, I guess you didn't you didn't need a purpose built, um, you know, multi million mm. dollar food factory to to do that in those days. You could um, just do it out the back of your shop. Um, so so that's what they did, and um, basically, um, yeah, once that sort of got some traction and they brought a few other customers on board. Um, they thought they could get out of running a chicken shop five days, like seven days a week, mm-hmm. um, early mornings, late nights, and get into um, wholesale five five days a week, um, which is um, totally different to the where, where we are now. We're sort of seven days a week, um, 24 hours a day. Um, but I think for a while it was probably five days a week, yeah. um, you know, and – I, you know, I that was at that stage. They had a young family. I would have been, you know, a couple of years old. So, um, yeah. So it worked for them, and it was for for many years. It was very uh, much a family business that was focused on food wholesale. So, um, you know, salad bars. Everyone from the local chicken shop um, through to QSRs like Sizzler. I don't know if you remember. Sizzler. I, I don't. I, I've seen the name, but I don't remember him, but I can understand here. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. And then um, I got involved in the business about 10 years ago. Um, and I I set off and did something after university. I did yeah. property economics at, at university. And, um, and um, I always had an entrepreneurial mindset. Um, and after I finished property economics i um i got a um i got a graduate position in hong kong um and i ended up doing retail leasing um in hong kong Mm. um and i was working with um brands like a lot of australian brands um such as cotton on or oriton or asop okay ah interesting yep finding their um finding their spaces and you know you'd sit down like i was you know, young then, I was only 24, and you'd sit down with the landlord and you'd hear someone like Nigel Austin's story about how he founded Cotton On, and I'd just be like, you know, that's sort of, I guess that's what I, mm. I want to do. I want yep. to build a, build a brand, and and I'm just trying to flog you a, a piece of uh, piece of real estate and move yep. on to the next deal. So, um, and on that journey, I guess it sort of introduced me to um, to Marks and Spencer. Um, Marks and Spencer were opening some grab-and-go food convenience um, locations in Hong Kong. Ah, interesting. Um, a big, uh, a huge fan of Marks and Spencer's, which I'm sure we'll talk about more of the the food area. But inter- I, I love I love hearing people's stories of like yeah the connections and stuff like that. So interesting. Yeah, and and Pret was also in Hong Kong, so I sort of I sort of started to get sort of a feel for the um, the grab-and-go convenience space and. In working with Marks and Spencer, I went over to London and mm. I just saw um, saw the sort of the grab and go convenience space and just where it was at, and it was just phenomenal. And 
I think that's when the penny dropped. I was yep. like, well, that's sort of that's sort of what my like my dad's the space my dad's in, and um, but it's just more food food service. Yep, got and you. this and is where it's going. It's going into sort of the uh, prepackaged world. And this, and you say t- this was ten years ago. Is this what, like when the penny dropped about ten years ago? Is that correct? Yeah, 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 yeah interesting, basically. interesting. And, and the whole convenience of you know food for now convenience space, um, you know, ten years ago in Australia, mm. it was basically in its infancy. Um, you know, there might have been a, some prepackaged coleslaw or potato yep. salad in it. You know, you know, Woolworths and Coles, but nothing more than that. Um, yeah, so I approached Dad about you know what the op- what I thought the opportunity was and um, wanting to get involved and. He sort of deterred me initially, hmm. I guess, um, just stressed that it was, you know, a very difficult business to run with uh, lots of different sort of moving components and, you know, there was definitely easier ways to make a dollar, Yeah, um, which I knew because I'd been working in that space and that's not that's not what I was interested in. And just to, just to pause you there and just ask, so... They set up this business in the 70s and then 10 years ago when you approached your dad around a role, how big had your parents' business become? Was it still a one-store operation or had they grown to service more outlets in a bigger kitchen? What what was it looking like 10 years ago? Um, um, it's probably one-fifth of the size it is today. Yeah, right. Um, it was a lot like they were. They developed a niche, and um, they were they were complicated products to produce. Dad mm. um, had always worked very hard on um, the facility, um, but um, it was a life. They developed it to be a lifestyle business to yeah, support their family. Yeah, and um, you know they wanted. To, they were present. They were present parents. So um, I guess when. I joined forces um, with my dad, um, you know, we, and he didn't have young children anymore. Yeah. Um, and I didn't have, you know, 10 years ago, I didn't have any children either. We, we could, we both got really involved in, in growing the business. Perfect. Um, so, yeah. so yeah, so run, run us through that then. So you, you, you join, what, what does, yeah, <laughs> what so does that look like? Very much. Um, yeah, it was it was food service. I sort of mm. just got a feeling. Um, I mean, I'd always been around the business. I was going to say, um, yeah, you must yeah. have dinner dinner table discussions of business, family holidays, talking business. Like it's it's not yeah. like it was an apprenticeship um, day one. You've no, you were born during, into it. Yeah, yeah. During the school holidays, I was you know peeling onions. Yeah. And, um, you know, top and tailing celery and um, and a lot of the you know the truck drivers that I knew from mm. being four years old were, um, you know, only retired, you know, four years ago. Yeah, so, got you. Yeah, um, interesting. So I, I knew everyone sort of in the business and um, I needed to take a sort of a, a softly, softly approach when I joined. Um, but, yeah, we were interested in exploring the, um, you know, the grab-and-go, food-for-now, um, prepackaged salad um, salad market. Um, you know, and the, the logical place to start was was with the independence mm. Um and I guess we got pushed into it in some ways. We got pushed into this space um, anyway by by Costco. Okay. Um, so one of the the buyers from David Jones moved across to Costco when they um, 
opened in Australia and they probably had maybe three um, three warehouses mm. by that stage. And um, she wanted to move our, our products over from, um, from David Jones into Costco. But we're still in a bulk format, but we're in sort of, I guess, clunky Tupperware um, containers and um, in a shelf-ready shipper and our branding was horrible. And, um, <laughs> yep. and Dad wouldn't say that, but it was. Yep. Um, and, you know, very different mindset because, you know, Dad grew this business from from its infancy um, and he's an accountant and, you know, for every dollar that he spends, he wants to make two. Mm-hmm. And um, that's, that's difficult in um, growing a retail brand, as I'm sure you would. Hey, I, I, I was literally shaking, yeah, nodding my head there going, yeah, it bloody is. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, carry on, please. This is, this is interesting. Yeah, go for it. Made, some, made for some interesting um, discussions. But, um, and being a food service business, um, you never had to, um, you never had to, you were, you were the, you were the people in the background. You weren't. You weren't the. Um, you weren't the brand um, in the foreground. And you. And you didn't. You, yes, we needed to have a um, a nutritional label with all the ingredients, but people weren't looking at it in too much detail. And um, so, as a food service business, you know there was probably too much salt in our dressings. Um, there was too much sugar in our dressings. Um, and not that we were trying to add preservatives to our products. Um, in making our salad dressings, we might have used a, a mustard with a sulfur mm. or a lemon juice with a citric acid or a, a soy sauce with a colour. And, um, you know, you add all those things up and, you know, you print them onto a prepackaged label and you turn it over and your salad looks like it could be a... Yeah, an ice cream. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I guess we had to sort of go through and, um, you know, just look for the, the clean version of everything or the real version as well. I mean, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's some fake soy sauces on the market. Um, you know, we needed to, we needed to source a, a real soy sauce. And, you know, all those things came at, came at a cost. Um, but it was, you know, it was totally worth it. We wanted to develop, you know, clean clean products and products you could turn over the back of the pack and sort of be proud of the ingredient list. Um, yeah, and then we all did a, um, a bit of a junket over to the UK and looked at different packaging formats um, in the grab-and-go market, you know, fork and no-fork conversations and, um, and you know, what our packaging was going to look like. Um, we did some factory tours as well, which was pretty cool. Um, so... Um, yeah, then we sort of, I guess, over time, um, that our retail products gain starting to gain a lot of traction um, in the independents. Yep. Um, and uh, we sort of divided our our brand, I guess, into two um, clear um, brand or yeah brand pillars, um, being the white label, um, which is sort of our clean label plant-based salads, um, you know, using a lot of pulses, grains, um, lentils, quinoas, um, fresh, you know, f- fresh herbs and, um, and vegetables. And um, then our black label, which is our gourmet classic. And we, we focus on more elevated, um, elevated potato salads that might be like a, a, um, a, 
a basil potato with you know fresh vegetables and um, all those types of products. So um, they were our two clear brand pillars. Um, and, you know, then we started to um, ask to do a, a, a few things by the majors. You know, we started with Woolworth just in New South Wales. Um, and when was this? Uh, when was this? So just want to go back because it sounds like you, you've come on board. You've you've shook things up a little bit. You, you've got a win with Costco and then you've got a win with Indies. Is this all you doing this so business development plus trying to change the way the business is going, the direction. And I'm guessing it's it's like with Doggylicious, things don't happen overnight. So it's just that continuous kind of push and telling people your message and stuff like that. Would you agree with that or how, how was that um, in the early days? Yeah, I think um... – we, we had a really great team here at Salad Service and we did have relationships and people knew we made great products. So Yeah, got you. We had a head start. Yeah, perfect. And, and um, the conversations, we just needed a, a vision and we all needed to agree on the vision and then we just needed to go about executing it slowly. And, and our products, the type of product that we have done, we've been fortunate because... They're complicated to produce. Um, you know, the competitors, I guess, were more interested in producing um, core products, being yep. you know creamy potato and coleslaw. And our fringy type products have now become what people are looking for, um, and what the the supermarkets are looking to range because um, you know we feel that they're the future. And um, yeah, no, they, yeah, that and. Let's touch on that because you've probably seen eating habits change from your soggy coleslaws 10 years ago to now, like like I say, every Friday night, I'm tucking into a turmeric couscous and cranberry salad um, that tastes delicious, tastes fresh, looks great. So what have you seen change over the last 10 years or has it has it just been, there's always been a core range and every so often you get those ingredients that just pop in, pop out, or it's like quinoa has is, is just boomed five years ago and has just been a staple ever since. What's what's the the overview there? Well, I think when the word superfood was being thrown around, um, uh, you know, for probably the last seven years, and I think we went um, probably – very far to the left and we were developing, you know, we're just trying to develop, you know, crazy superfood, mm. you know, superfood products that um, that we thought were really cool but they didn't have much of an application yep. and we weren't thinking about, um, you know, how our customer was going to be using it. Um, yeah, so we've definitely got more sophisticated in the way that we develop our products, um, you know, I think things like quantum data play an important role um, and more data around who your customer is and, and mm. how are they using the product. Yeah, very um, good. Very good insights. Um, and then um, and then we don't really like industry 
industry trend reports because oh, we we look back at them, but mm. I guess that's sort of telling you what's already happened. <laughs> yeah, it's a very interesting. Like it, it's even though you're in the fresh space, uh, it's exactly the same in all the other different categories, isn't it? Where you just okay. mentioned the superfoods, like everyone wants to go um, kind of a a bit too too crazy because it's exciting and new and fresh. And you go, not everyone wants matcha and not everyone wants spirulina, um, no. but everyone gets excited by it. And and it's interesting because I used to look at a lot of insights and reports as well and food trends. And you could, it's one of them, you go to a, some, some businesses or trend spotting and stuff like that. They could produce a different trend every week, so they're going to be right if you're producing an article uh, every week on a trend and say, oh, "Oh, we found that trend." So I find that interesting in your space as well. That yeah, you've you've got to keep on trend, but you're the one producing. You're seeing it for your own sales data as well, probably as well. well. That's ex- that's exactly right, and that's what we've been fortunate because mm. you know we've we've supply in our food service um, area. We supply everyone from the local chicken shop you know, the gourmet deli, the meal delivery businesses, um, you know, different QSRs, airline lounges, um, you name it. Like um, if there's a salad on the menu, it's a pre-made salad, like the chances are we're producing it. Yeah. And I guess we're gaining all those customer insights and we're having those conversations and we're working out what's working. And, you know, we're lucky enough to be able to apply it to our retail range, which is, um, yeah, which is pretty cool. That's incredible. And so where do you see yourselves going? So what's what's next? It feels like you've you've done a 10-year journey and bringing all this change and well probably let's go back the first first question I want to ask is how was how has this change been brought into the business like I'm guessing people are seeing a, hopefully a positive uh, view of you coming in and going this is the direction it might not be the most profitable um as everyone would hope but has it changed the business to what it was and people are now all on board and where do you see it going yeah i mean we've done it in we feel like we've done it quickly Mm. and we've been constantly working at it and shipping away at it but in reality it it hasn't been that quick. I mean, there's been some, you know, meal delivery businesses that have come from absolutely nowhere um, to being, you know, 10 times the size of what we are in a very short amount of time. Mm. So, and, um, you know, these are food manufacturing businesses. They require, um, you know, a lot of, you know, capital expenditure Um a lot of equipment, a lot of planning, um, and slowly putting in automation as it makes sense. Yep. Um, and so, you know, doing it over 10 years, we've been consistently chipping away at it, um, but we haven't done it in a, in a way where um, anyone in the business feels, they just feel excited and enthused. They, I don't think, I don't feel like it hasn't been a real um, push if you, if you know what I mean. Yeah, no, that's, and that's really interesting. And how does a manufacturing site look for you guys? Because more being a nosy bastard, to be honest, because I've I've produced many brands and branded products where the shelf life is easily 12 months. Like I might have done one once where we might have just 
got away with nine months. You guys are looking at days. So we're looking at days. Yeah. How, how does that work? Because uh, yeah, I'm just intrigued. I'm sure a lot of people listening go, how, how do you get a fresh salad? Even going back from the ordering, how's the ordering to then producing to then getting out the door to then on my on your supermarket on my shelf. yeah and then on my table on a Friday night tasting <laughs> tasting fresh how, with, how, a GNT. with a GNT and I'm and it always blows me away because I, I know how many steps along the way it takes to do that yeah and, and headaches and oh, and it yeah is, it how, is a it's not a um. It, it is a difficult business and, um, you know, we're picking up from local farmers. We're either contract, um, contract arrangements with farmers or we're out at Sydney markets, um, you know, five days a week. Mm. Um, and, you know, the trucks are coming in from 6.30 in the morning. Um, we're taking orders sort of between um, 8 and 12 and we close orders around 12 30 um and um there's initial veg prep and um slicing and dicing and um all that type of thing in the morning yep. um to, to forecast and then once we close orders at sort of 12 12 30 one o'clock um we're in um to full-scale manufacturing um into the night um for for dispatch the next day um and that's not for all customers because yeah. all customers, super, the major supermarkets work a little bit differently. Um, um, you know, for some of the DCs, we're receiving orders um, at, you know, 6 o'clock in the morning and they're picking up at 10. So some of that product has been made to a forecast. Yeah, um, got you. But, you know, it's, it's nothing has leaving or been picked up. Nothing is, no finished product is at our facility for more than, seven hours wow that just <laughs> just to think about that is is phenomenal uh, and and that's why i wanted to have you on the show because it's it's a completely different mindset and and again it goes probably back to the costs like hearing you before about your dad uh, spend one dollar try and make two. Oh, if you got the forecast wrong or a customer pulls an order or one ingredient doesn't turn up it, I could just oh, um, I could is, just imagine oh, the headaches and um and temperatures. So we need to deliver between yeah. um we need to deliver in between um zero and five degrees. So that's a pretty tight window. Uh, five point one degrees, you know, your whole mm. order will be rejected. Um, and below zero, the product freezes. So wow, um, yeah, so, <laughs> <laughs> little margin, little margin for error is. Yeah, it, I can I can understand it's a, an industry that not many people would want to go into. No, <laughs> it's, it's, it would be a lot easier just to go. You know what? I'm going to make a granola. I'll I'll stick with I'll stick with cereal <laughs> or bars. So then, just on that, then your your competition is has your competition adapted to the market? Like you said, like I, I grew up in the UK, as you can probably uh, hear from the accent, and the boots marks and spencers everyone had fresh salads and i think i didn't look at it uh in like going oh this is this is ahead of its game and this is good quality and stuff and and it was cheap as well uh, it, it was very cheap to get a salad or a boots meal deal etc are you seeing that 
your competition is stepping up or like with everything in Australia, like the the cost to enter this market is one expensive and kind of just going, why bother? So what, yeah, what's your competition like at the moment? Um, well, there is a lot of barriers to entry and um, not just from a, you know, a plant and facility um, perspective, mm. but also, you know, your HACCP programs yeah. and, and a QA at a QA programs. Um, I think our, you know, the core, the core, the core business um, being potato salad, um, creamy potato salad and creamy coleslaw and creamy noodle and mm. those sorts of products, which we're not interest, too interested in producing. Mm. Right? There's still, there's still a huge market yep. in yep. for that. And um, I think, their focus is still on, you know, producing those products. I mean, it's almost a different facility in in a lot of ways. Okay. Um, it's also a, it's a different mindset, and you need to we need to build our facility to comply, but may, be a bit more nimble. Um, so, look, you know, you can never get complacent, but I don't. We don't focus too much on what our competitors are doing. We just focus on what what we're doing and the relationships we have and the, the development that we're um that we're putting in and um yeah we just try to have fun along the way I see. Um, uh, yeah no, and 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 it shows like like i say every friday i pick pick the salad up and enjoy it and it shows in the quality like it it, it isn't sloppy it's it, it tastes beautiful um and it's it's something i enjoy i'd I'm I'm very sad as most people realize uh, since listening probably from episode 1 um and I like it like that and when I like something I, I stick with it so the quality yeah, definitely awesome. yeah it definitely comes through and it, yeah it's just it's just a beautiful mix so I I look forward to seeing what else comes out of uh, your mixes because yeah it's true you want the core components and you don't want to go too superfoody but um <laughs> Because, yeah, no, that's exactly right. Yeah. And like, we need to keep the customer. We need to think about the application. Mm. We like, you know, um, these these are products. Um, you know, we're trying to create like a, a time saving meal solution, um, and that could be a building block to um, to you know to be paired with a protein. Um, and when we're developing, we're very much thinking about you know what can this be paired with? Yeah. Um, How is a customer going to eat it? Um, and I guess the other side of the pre-packaged um, business is not just side of plate. We also are producing, I guess, um, um, snacking salads um, mm. or or meal salads, and and predominantly we've done this under sort of um, under contract manufacturing, I guess. Yeah. Um, for um, say the Woolworths Metro concept. Yeah. Um, and you know. They um, about five, six, six, five or six years ago, they you know there was a real big push towards um, the metro concept and food for now and snacking salads and meal salads and um, yeah and we were well placed to go on that journey with them. Fantastic. Um, and um, you know a lot of the, the buyers or the um, the developers were coming out from the UK as obviously they were. They were leading the charge, um, you know, whether it be, you know, Boots and Tesco and Marks yep. and Spencer. Um, but, you know, the landscape in Australia was, you know, was, is totally different. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, you can develop a, you can, 
manufacture a product in Scotland and have it on the shelf in London yeah. in, in on the, the same same day. day correct yeah there's, there's 60 million people you know in London and um and also the labor rates um you know we pay pay much higher mm-hmm. wages here in Australia as we should um but it just it just means that what works in the UK um was not necessarily going to work what was what was yep. going to work here in Australia yeah um but I think what has worked um, is probably a scaled back version of, um, and we're still trying to, um, put, you know, quality inclusions and and fresh product out there. Um, but in all of that, I guess, um, you know, um, during COVID, um, the the supermarkets were putting a little bit less focus on food for food for now and. You know, their focus sort of shifted to food for later or food yep. that you take home. Um, and then coming out of that, um, they hadn't done a whole lot of development. So they asked us to de- develop some some branded product in this space. So we um, we developed a, a sub-brand called The Lunch Rush. Okay. Um, and, yeah, which is sort of like a, you know, uh, like a nice salad base, whether it be like a lentil tabbouleh or a, a herby quinoa with broccoli, um, with a you know um, some leaf and a protein and maybe a dressing pot, and you know that's proven to be quite successful in the not just sort of the um, the metro supermarket space, but also you know petrol and convenience as well. So um, yeah, so we're sort of de- designing our production lines accordingly to be able to sort of. Do a have a sort of a a base with some garnishes and a dressing pot, um, yeah, so, yeah, which I'm sure is not cheap either, and and all all these things come at an, a cost. But I am well, we 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 hope COVID's over and nothing comes in uh, anytime soon because it it feels like the on the go purchasing is is back in full force and the likes of yeah metros, Coles, locals, uh, expresses need this healthier option because it seems from everything i follow and consumers and stuff it's there's a demand there and and it just fits nicely into to what you guys do so i'm sure many more headaches uh are to come with bigger productions different formats different packaging options etc so oh, <laughs> I'm, totally. I'm sure you've got yeah. another 10-year journey ahead of you <laughs> yeah but it's just you know it's what we love to do and we'll just we'll just embrace it i love it and and my last question is one i like for people to to say to the listeners where you can find your products and more about the brand my last question that i just want to touch on briefly is because you sell salads salads it's it there's that funny meme that goes around it's like no one ever makes friends over a salad and how do people find out about you like how do you drive awareness to your brand over anyone else's is a do you have a marketing team that does anything or is it more just like me you enjoy the product and you go back for more what's what yeah, to summarize yeah that's interesting so i guess um Having good ranging in the supermarkets um, is advertising itself, and mm-hmm. um, you know we're in in clear packaging. The product looks fresh, um, and people buy with their eyes first. Mm-hmm. So we sort of need to develop products that that are visual. Um, but on social channels, we're trying to develop um, 
I guess a community that um, that shows our customers, you know, how the products can be used and giving them inspiration on on what they can do with the product. Yeah. Um, I don't think you can just. I think gone are the days where you can just um, market hmm. a product to a customer. I think you need to um, create a community where um, you're, you know, you're educating um, and and helping. Um, Agreed. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it can just be, you know, you just hit them with. Um, yeah, here's like, a product. You need here's it. Here's a product, fancy <laughs> image, you know, go buy it. Like that doesn't, that probably worked five years ago. I, just, I was going to say, yeah, correct. It's, things have changed. Uh, not, and, uh, changed quickly. and that's it, very quickly. And I've, I see a lot of brands still thinking, that same way and it's like oh 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 dear time time (laughs) time, times have changed and and people talk differently and people want different things and we always talk about millennials gen z's but it's like oh yeah yeah they're the future yeah (laughs) you've got to you know it's just like um oh i don't know there's i won't name the burger brand but there's a a burger brand that you grew up with here in australia and Hmm. um they were sort of very much um and I was work, talking to a friend in advertising. Mm. They're redoing a um, they're redoing a bit of a campaign for them because they've become, um, you know, Gen Z doesn't know who they are, or the, the younger generation um, doesn't know who they are. And I'm like, well, yeah. and they were the um, they were the they were the in burger joint when I was yeah. growing up. So um, how have they become irrelevant so quickly? Interesting, and, um, isn't it? So you need to um, you know you need to think about you know not just yeah, and that's why you know, I, you know, creamy noodle and coleslaw and potato salad they won't they won't be around forever because things change, you know. <laughs> Correct, and, and and that's interesting. I I think I mentioned it in I definitely mentioned it in season one in the early days. But I have a a, a feeling and a gut instinct that Subway won't be around in five years' time. I'd like or it's it's powerhouse that it is won't be around like you might see the odd grotty one in a corner well isn't can, can they call it can they, i i heard that they can't actually call the um the bread bread well, and, so much sugar and so. there is one point it's like one people have realized hold on a minute i'm not actually eating bread it's it's probably a cake and <laughs> and their whole brand value is eat fresh and now they're getting into hot dogs and it's like oh you've lost your way and I grew up on subways and many people my age did. I just kind of go, the younger generation now have sushi, Vietnamese, uh, Thai, they are Mexican. And you go, why would you want a cake with some processed meat in the middle? Uh, and, and that's my views. And, and this is why I've loved chatting to you, Alex, because you've not done the sloppy coleslaw. There's always a home for a sloppy coleslaw at a party, but, where you've oh, gone is gone to evolve and, yeah and, and we want to evolve it so much more um mm. you know we'd um you know there is a lot of challenges um for manufacturers at the moment um and i think that will slow innovation yeah um we'll, we'll we'll slow innovation to a point because um you know there's a lack of fertilizer yep. like worldwide yeah um you know crop yields will be down 60%, um, you know, the global supply chain still hasn't been rectified um, after mm. COVID, you know. 
the price of wheat and canola oil has gone through the roof, you know, electricity, gas, all those things are, you know, going to drive up the cost of, of manufacturing. And they saw results will result, I think, over the next five years in, in innovation slowing down. Yeah. Um, because it'll, like, manufacturers won't be able to afford to put so much energy into, you know, innovating. Because sometimes innovation increase costs oh correct innovation itself costs um but then there's also that end goal of it could also cost you the growth of um growing as a business so it's it's a fine fine line isn't it and it certainly is and you know we'd love i'd love um you know to be sitting in here to in two years time and chatting to you and we'd completely remove Mm. um you know sugar in our dressings and replaced it with like a you know, a, a rice malt syrup yep. or, um, um, but you know, these things, these things cost and we've got to take it slow and, um, and, but we'll get there, you know, we'll just continue to, to innovate slowly and improve our products. And, um, fantastic. Well, yeah. I, I have learned a lot today, uh, in this 40 minutes. Um, I, I, I now can follow, you know, in the background, which, I always love hearing the background and and you said it beautifully at the start. Like it's always good to know that right, it's lovely to know that something started in the seventies and it's just been just been something you've grown up with and how how nice is that that you've you've then seen an opportunity and and uh, taken it to the next level. So firstly, well done for you. Great brand. And I always finish uh, the podcast by just basically saying if someone wanted to find out more, how do they find out more, Alex? And and all I can say is buy the salad and join me on a Friday night, everyone, um, with the the couscous turmeric um, cranberry salad. It's fantastic. So over to you. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah um, independence um, all, all across the eastern seaboard of Australia, from South Australia through to Queensland. Um, in independence, Costco. Um, Woolworths, and we've also got a um, a um, a direct to home model where we do a lot more than just salads. So check that out um, at Salad Servers um, Direct. Um, yeah, thanks, Ben. It's awesome. been, um, been a pleasure to talk to you, and I've been um, it's been great to share our story. Nah, appreciate it. Thanks for your time as well, Alex. Okay. Thanks, Ben. <laughs>